Good morning. Uh, it's great. Praise the Lord for your presence here this morning and those who are with us online. It's a blessing to be able to share with you. And uh, together as we are ministered to by the Holy Spirit today. And uh, thanks for that reading from Pastor. And uh, it was quite a big one. And uh, as he mentioned, I'm not able... I had three points today, as you might see on um, Telegram, I believe. And um, but I'll only—I know I'll only be getting through the first point. So I've t- entitled today's message "The Heart of Ministry," and we're going to be looking through the window, the clear window of Paul's heart, and uh, for the ministry that the Lord, that was given to him, as we read by the Lord Jesus Christ, and. Uh, and that's why, I, even um, as you look, like the first three, well, the points are reviewing the past. He looks back at, and that was, as we'll see in the message, the three years he spent in Ephesus with them, in the, the and uh, the church there, and and it was a clear conscience that he had, and a consistent behaviour, and he was connected with others, as we'll see, and uh, and then. Later on, Lord willing, overviewing the present with those same three, a clear conscience, consistent behaviour and connected with others. And then, as we saw there in 29 and 30, he previews the future with a great heaviness. But hopefully, and with us too, we can uh, prepare our hearts as Paul was prepared to meet the challenges, the trials. And so he was able to warn them as he was not going to see them again. So, but let's consider this and uh, the heart of ministry and just by way of introduction, we here have come because we're true believers and um, to meet together and fellowship with one another and, and as true believers we should be involved in some sort of ministry in the local church and you know, that can be anything from a prayer ministry, privately, corporately, as we do here on prayer meetings in different times we pray. That can be cleaning. And I was just thinking, we've come here today and this church is quite clean and the chairs are set out and the toilets have been nice and fresh and the dishes were all done when we came here today. And that's because someone has done that. Someone has cleaned for us. And and that's their ministry uh one of their ministries, maybe, or their ministry to the Lord, and and then there's like there's plenty. There's mowing, and as we read in verse thirty-five, there's giving. More blessed to give than receive. And um, Sunday school teaching, youth clubs, and with these young people's ministries, you know, we're teaching them, our children, how we're, we're passing on the baton to them for the next generation. And and it's as Paul said to Timothy in Second um, Timothy, and teaching others to teach others, and and that was our responsibility. And we do that not just through preaching the word, but through example. As Paul was wanting to express his example to them, and they remembered, and they knew, and. And uh, husband and wife, we have ministry and as parenting, and whether you're cooking a meal for hospitality reasons, and and uh, not just being a pastor or the deacon, we're but from ushering and and 
we all work together as a body and it's a beautiful picture there and uh, we're not looking at the body of Christ in all its elements today but there are many more, many more behind the scene ministries that I could fill this whole page with that that um, this local church that people do that uh, many you're not even aware of and uh, there are people behind this mic that are streaming and that's quite a team and they've got their own um, like what we've got on the church site they've got their own for rostering and explaining things because there's a lot going on and uh, it goes all around the world as Pastor mentioned and if you want to know the figures just ask Sam he's got them on his phone and we're talking hundreds from many different countries and so um, and so that's just an opportunity of, like this it doesn't replace the local church though like it doesn't replace their pastor like that's just some people don't have the means to meet like we have the privilege today or they like a missionary in Africa that texts on our there is a they emailed through um, sermon audio the other day from Africa a missionary that we're not sure but they appreciate and thanked um, for the ministry that is run through this church and that's a great encouragement as they hear the preaching from pastor and others. And so when we think of that, uh, the local church is very important to God. As we see, it was very important to the Apostle Paul in upholding the pillar and ground of truth for the glory of God. And what I pray, and thank you for your prayers too, that what we will see today is that nothing mattered more to Paul in the ministry than, than the spiritual aspect. That is the eternal aspect of everything he did is under the Lord, not not the selfish aspect. See, the spiritual being, the eternal value of everything you do and the attitude in which you do it as unto the Lord. And the selfish being, the temporal value and being motivated by the material as unto yourself. And so... In today's text, we find, again, as I mentioned, a window into the heart and soul of the Apostle Paul. And he wasn't a super saint, and he will tell you that. Yes, he was called to a special ministry by the Lord, and but just he was just a human being, just like us. And uh, he wanted to pass that on, that blessing, that joy, that finishing that course that we read just then with joy, his course with joy. And we know he did a couple of years later in Second Timothy. He had run the race and he was able to finish well. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you now for this, uh, your word, the time we can open it and, and preach it, Lord. And, and we, we thank you that uh, we can rely on your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us and give us understanding, Lord, as we do... Pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts and the ears of our understanding to your this treasure of truth in here today in the word, in this text, Lord. And Lord, help us to apply them in our lives, Lord. Give us wisdom as we make application, each personally, individually, as you speak to us, Lord. We pray that the illustrations given will help give understanding to and to the clarity of each point and context lord we pray so we ask for your help and we thank you for each one that is here and each child that is here lord and the ministries that are being ministered to them even now in the junior church lord as they are built up 
as the scriptures, Lord, the seed of the gospel is planted in their heart and, Lord, watered. And we do pray for our children's salvation as you give the increase in your time, Lord, especially through our ministry here in this church as they see that, our example and, and testimony, Lord. And for the community too, Lord, we want to be a shining light, Lord, not hid under a bushel, hidden, but, Lord, for the community to see that, Lord, God is with us, Lord, that you are with us and, and your glory uh, is shining through us, Lord. And today and throughout this week, Lord, we pray. So we ask for your help now that Jesus, Lord, you will be glorified. And uh, we thank you that this is possible, this ministry, the preaching of the word and the fellowship today through the finished work of the cross and the forgiveness of sin. And we've been reconciled back to God and we look forward to glory, the blessed hope when we will be with you one day. So, Lord, we ask these things and thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to be looking at reviewing the past, which is a bit in this, and it'll be today's message. Now, and uh, and there's some verses there um, that have been included, but actually I've left. I didn't include them all, but I'll mention them. And as we see from verse 17, the calling of the Ephesian elders there, which. And uh, Paul is on his way home from his third and final missionary journey. And he's trying to get back to Jerusalem and uh, for Pentecost. And he got held up because he couldn't sail from Corinth. He wanted to right back to um, Syria, which is just above Israel there, Jerusalem, and go down to Jerusalem. But through different reasons of persecution from the Jews, which we'll see again today, um, he went back up through Macedonia and back down through Asia, which allowed him to meet with the Ephesus elders. And it wasn't in Ephesus. He didn't want to... Because remember the last time he left, about a year ago, there was a great riot? And uh, we can read that back earlier in Acts. And because he was costing them money, uh, the gospel was saving people and liberating people from the bondage of idolatry. That And, and Diana there that was at Ephesus, that big um, temple of worship, which was very immoral and uh, wicked. And so... Um, when with that he called the elders in verse 17 we, and these are, these are the pastors literally of the local churches in Ephesus and when we see house to house there at the end of verse 20 like they couldn't have buildings like us because of the persecution and the movement that had to be involved because of that and they were going out anyway as, as they were growing and uh, ministering elsewhere. And so, but they were meeting in different ones' houses that were getting saved. Some were rich and, uh, and, and who had that ability, or not, well, just more able to, I should say. And so Paul genuinely, um, so these elders were, you know, who were leaders in these house churches back then. And so Paul genuinely desired to meet and fellowship with these believers because he wanted, as he had the opportunity, to deeply impress upon them the character, the reputation and the warnings in what it is to be a continuing true light in a very dark and difficult and evil world. And uh, we can 
we can say that today. We, we've not been oppressed as they were, but we may be. So we can learn much from this. And the first there is clear conscience in this reviewing the past. A clear, clear meaning transparent. And transparent is what something light can pass through. And you can see the object on the other side. And, and, they, and, and that was Paul wanting them to see uh, the Lord, the heart of Jesus through his life in the three years he spent with them. And I just want to share, hopefully this illustration um, gives a bit of an understanding. When we think of a conscience, because Paul in chapter 24 verse 16 expressed he wanted to have a conscience void of offence toward God and toward men. So what is our conscience? And See, God created man in his own image, as we've learned from early on in Genesis Chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into, nost- into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So a body, a soul, and we know a spirit because the breath of life, this God who is a spirit, breathed that spirit of life into man. And that was alive and until man sinned, that spirit. And we know that that separation came because we rebelled against God and 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 Ephesians um, chapter 2 uh, verse 1 says that our spirit is dead because of sin because but it has been made alive um, through Christ when we believed on him and uh, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin in verse 1 there of Ephesians 2 and made alive that word quicken so we can rejoice in that in our salvation we can be rejoined again as we are reconciled back to God through our spirit that has been made alive and uh, so and you know that when we think of the um, man within man's inner self we're going to look at some verses this that refer to conscience we see a witness of the conscience okay and paul wrote about this witness of our conscience in romans chapter one and two and three and just quickly because when we consider god has revealed himself his will to man that all men will stand guilty before him one day if they reject his witness. And the first witness there is of creation in chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20. And I know we know that, and I'm not going to look at that. I'm going to look at this one in chapter 2 where he actually talks about the conscience in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 2. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves. Then verse 15 which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and the thoughts and the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. And so, and then also, just in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, we have the witness of the scriptures, and uh, there, the oracles of God. And so, these three forms of divine Revelation, the witness of creation, the witness of conscience, and the witness of the scriptures. And the see, the body is dying as a result of sin, and we know that. And the soul will go to a lost eternity if we're not made alive again through uh, 
Christ and because our spirit is dead. And the conscience, though, is still functioning, all right? That's what... It's still functioning even though our spirit is dead, our relationship with God is, as an unsaved believer has stopped when, because of sin. And, and that allows the conscience, God's allowing by his mercy in divinely drawing us to himself as unbelievers. And if we, if we don't, um, if we continue in sin and, and reject, God's mercy of revealing himself as we see on a beautiful today, today, as we rejoice and pray and thank God for that. And, you know, and the Apostle Paul, that's why when he preached on Mars Hill to those pagans, he started with creation. The, you know, they were as closest to a pagan, a, a God a pagan will ever get, to the unknown God, they wrote. And But Paul said, well, you can know the true God and of creation and um, that created all things. But when we consider that, and then the, what about the moral person? He, he covers that. One who th- does good works, thinking that they can get by with that or by the moral law. But God says your conscience bears witness that, you know, Right and wrong, like, like a and someone. Um, it's like a light, you know, a, a witness, and like a red light for this is wrong, or a green light. This is this, you know, this is this is right in God, in divinely, in what He has created, and the law of the law, as we read there is written on the heart of man. So no one is without excuse when they stand before God on Judgment Day. And people, and, and the Lord knows, and we've, those, like, people have argued, and I don't want to get too much on a rabbit trail with this, like, someone in a primitive jungle has never heard of the gospel and they die. Is that so unfair? They have had an opportunity to see God's glory in creation. And God knows, and we've been encouraged to know and heard testimonies that people who have, in the most utter places of wherever, have desired to know of a divine being, uh, you know, that, that may have made this, he will bring a missionary to them. And we've heard testimonies of that. And they've shared with them the gospel. So God knows them that are his and God knows everyone, their heart and their attitude. So, look, if we reject God's mercy in divinely drawing us to himself and continuing sin, it can. That talks about, in Titus chapter 1, verse 15, it can be defiled. Our conscience can be defiled. And our conscience can be seared and it can be made weak. And uh, to the point, you know, where we just become like in chapter 1, we just become so like reprobate we become so um, bl- um, hardened to the truth and that, so we must not reject the echo of God's voice as unbelievers when we, when we are made aware especially through the preaching of the gospel how we can come back to him through his son the Lord Jesus and another quote the, it is like a great beacon this is what I was looking for before the, a great beacon of light God sets in all but it can be greatly dimmed if we reject and so when we consider those thoughts a clear conscience Paul counted these men as his true friends 
He was genuinely concerned with what others thought of his character and reputation. And where we see here, kept back in verse um, 20 of chapter 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Sometimes, like this word means to avoid, to shun, like, or suppress. And that's what the Paul did not do because the opposite to that was that word nothing he used there. And uh, because all, whether the truth was unpleasant to hear or, you know, the teaching of God's word was unpleasant or it may be offence, he taught it because he loved them. And your ministry might be one on one ministry when we consider like we may have the privilege of discipling someone who you want to help grow and overcome maybe a besetting sin problem that you're um, working with. And, you know, they may re- it may require from you uh, boldness and courage and um, to tell them the truth of God's word, you know, on that situation. The way God sees it and the way God wants them to correct it. And, see, the word... Um, nothing there is Paul just um, as we he spread a full table of the whole counsel of God as we see in verse 17 for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God Paul set before them food spiritual food that they may not like as we consider um, eating if those things were even good for them he didn't withhold it back and I believe we can relate and understand how often, you know, we are tempted to avoid unpleasant truths if we think people might find them spiritually unpleasant to taste. And now, remember, he's talking to the to the elders, to to the to the, the pastors of these local churches, and and especially in sharing, like when we think ourselves. Um, the saving gospel to the unsaved. In verse 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. And this is Paul picturing from Ezekiel there as a watchman in the tower. If he fails to warn the people of the danger that is coming, their blood, if they die, is on his hands, that watchman's hands. And that is quite a solemn thought, quite a very... So, you know, it's nearly three years of ministry in Ephesus... He had fully evangelised and warned the city, as we read there. And uh, literally, as we see there, from door to door, and he's literally gone about maybe everyone, everyone at least he come across, maybe everyone in the city. But those who rejected the truth and remained in their sins, he says it was no fault of his. In, 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 and that was a part of him having a clear conscience. That is... What we know from Romans one sixteen, the power of God unto salvation would work if they re- believed, if they were willing to receive. If you know, through um, if we bring the unsaved to the cross of Jesus, where He was lifted up by the whole counsel of God. That is, you know, we cover sin, we cover righteousness and judgment. Then we can say that that individual, as Paul declared. His hands were clean. No blood, guiltiness rested on his conscience. And we can have that peace too. And, and that gives us an opportunity to pray for that 
And as we do on Wednesday night, as we mention different ones, we may have shared the gospel with family or work colleague, or, and we pray for that. And to me personally, this statement in verse 26 is, is quite a rebuke. And, but Paul, he was able to declare it, praise the Lord, through his own faithfulness to the word of God. Um, when we think about people about us each week, like family, friends, neighbours and workmates, contacts and acquaintances, and for some people it could be hundreds, for some others it could be thousands over the course of you know, a month or a year. And what is, when I ask, what is my attitude to each one still outside of Christ? What a challenge. Paul's hands were clean. No blood guiltiness rested on his conscience. He called upon his friends. They were his friends, these elders. And he calls upon us through the Spirit to carry on this remarkable claim while we yet breathe. We need to do that. And so in obeying the Lord and the Gospel. So 33 and 35, see we're sort of going right over now when we consider this clear conscience there in his witness. And now, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Now, we're looking at the, the past, not the present. That'll be the next message. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. In verse 35, I have showed you all things, how that so labouring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so, like today, as during the first century church, some engaged, as they do today, in Christian ministry in order to satisfy the desires of the flesh. And that is very, uh, obviously very wrong. It's very unfortunate. And they're motivated by money, power, fame, or the hope of personal recognition. And it is so easy for us as Christians to covet. And uh, that is to desire something someone else has that we can't afford. Especially even in ministry, as Paul is pointing out here. And uh, there, there are pastors and missionaries. They're, they're battling and they're struggling to equip financially to run their own ministries and let alone while also struggling to cope with inflation adequately caring for their own families and educating their children and just to make men's eat yet and we think they they see um wealth squandered on mere things even by maybe people in their own congregations or on pleasures on on worthless projects and they and can they not but sometimes be tempted to covet as Paul? Um, you know, he had learned this and uh, he had trouble with coveting once. And we consider Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. And uh, so he gives testimony that, and now he confidently tells the Ephesian elders that he did not look to men anymore. And he looked to God to supply all we need according to his own riches in glory. And, and so as um, we consider that point in a clear conscience that he was able to present before them. And let's see in that, that this developed into consistent behaviour like throughout that whole three years. And he wanted them to examine him 
very thoroughly and see if they could prove in any area of his life that was not uh, in what he was claiming. And so when we consider consistent behaviour in this next point, consistent behaviour, we like things naturally to be consistent. Like you might have a mechanic that's good and you like to be able to go him service after service, year after year, because you know no one else can do the job or you don't trust them. And then he retires and then you've lost that consistency or that you had in that mechanic or in anything. You just want consistency. Um, it's frustrating when, when suppliers change, when you're ordering good product or you've got your account set up and, and, and you know what, what they sell and the quality of it and then they get something else in because it's cheaper for them and, and it's all they have. And that consistency has stopped there. And when I just want to... And then that's just in those sort of means, but then there is a consistency in service. Just Aubrey Udonga have a business hall of fame. And, uh, and if you've been in business for a while and you've been well-known and, and you've had good ethics and by the community you're appreciated, they might induct you into the hall of fame in Aubrey, in the business hall. And there was a businessman who was, who was in the paper... He was blown away by being rung up. He thought they wanted their services, this the Hall of Fame people, and they actually wanted to induct him. And he'd been in successful business in here in Albury, Wodonga, for about 30 years. And he actually... He, I know he's not saved, and um, I've never used his services, but um, he actually said it was a blessing and uh, because he... he um, Steve Bowen, his name is, he does... DJing and that, so I would never need his services. Like, but I've seen him around. I think most of us know him. He went to um, Murray High School because his pictures on this up there uh, where I go when we use the hall. And but he used the word a blessing because to he was humbled by that fact. And in the past eighteen months has very been the greatest challenge in those sort of industries that require people and groups but with the, the lockdowns and the border closures and he was saying it's been a great challenge, it's been unimaginable and um, and when he was asked how he and the business cope with the current challenges that were unimaginable as he said, he said one day at a time just one day at a time and you diversify a little and you, you've got to make a lot of sacrifice, it nearly sounds like ministry like and uh, the attitude there, but this is his business. And the thing I wanted to use for this, um, in in that, he said, quote, you have to be consistent and deliver a quality product to last that long under those conditions. And uh, consistency, he said, quote, consistency is the key. And keep doing it and keep ploughing away, keep going. And so I thought that was really fitting as we consider this... um, consistent behaviour that Paul is wanting to emphasise in those three years nearly he was with them. Paul was careful to let people know that um, his motives for ministry were pure and uh, he appeals to this consistency there in verse 18 of chapter 20. There we read, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia after what manner I have been with you, at all seasons, all seasons, seasons in the context of persecution, when he was under great 
uh, attack of the of those Jews wanting to kill him. And uh, but because of that, this is the reason God's providence why he's here right now. And verses nineteen. 21 and 25 we're going to look at Paul points out four areas in which he demonstrated consistency in his ministry actually three areas one two three and consistent and so the first area being in verse 19 serving the Lord with all humility of mind and uh, with many tears and temptations which befell me in the lying weight of the Jews. There we have the persecution at the end there. And before them, example of lowly service there as we read. Paul was not saying he was proud of his humility, but living an identified life with the risen Christ who is his life eternal. The Holy Spirit was saying he was being humbled. Yes, through the writer Luke. So he didn't even write it himself. He wasn't saying that, but... He was living every day for the nearly three years he was with them with this attitude. He challenged the Ephesian elders to examine it, that they that he had never lauded it over them once. Even, you know, he demonstrated before them the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, 5 and 8. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Here we have a living example because Christ was found and being found in verse 8. To Philippians chapter 2 and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself even the Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross which was the most cruelest inhumane form of crucifixion so with this consistent mindset we see the compassion of Christ in Paul we see the godly sorrow by frequent tears Paul had wept over their sins even when it probably seemed hopeless, he wept with them in their sadness because of, of the things that were going on. And in his burden for lost souls, he had gone forth weeping, bearing precious seeds, as we read in the Psalms. There were highs and there were lows. And at the end of 18, we see it was at all seasons. And uh, those seasons were the, you know, the good times and the, and the bad times were very bad. And, and, and they really drew together in that unity and Paul was at times plagued as we know by the Jews persecuting him constantly Luke and uh, there doesn't tell us the full story also but they knew they knew what he meant and uh, ye know in 18 ye know he said ye know from the first day so Paul had set them before them an example of patient suffering and secondly in verse 21 testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks repentance toward God but and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ and he's an example of his witness both to the Jews and also to the Greeks so Paul understood God's harvest field of souls as every man woman boy and girl he met Every person was someone for whom Christ had died, someone who needed a word from God. And uh, there at the end of 21, repentance toward God. And I did a message on repentance, Nineveh's repentance and, and our repentance toward God, which is the same, turning from what we're doing that is not, that is grieving God, that is against God, that separates us from God and returning back to God. So that turning. Paul brought everyone face to faith with the character of God, did he not? Through his own example and testimony, through not only the preaching, 
God's holiness, his righteousness, his just. And, uh, and with that belief of who Christ is and what he did for us, it is the gospel literally reduced to its simplest form and simplest term, literally turn or burn, heaven or hell. Turn from living independently from God, which is living in your sin. Live for God through his son, Jesus Christ, who cleanses us from sin. We can have eternal life. And uh, let's think about it as a challenge. If the Apostle Paul had not been consistent all these years of his missionary journeys, let alone those nearly three years in Ephesus, um, that is, if he was not consistently pursuing the two goals as we've looked at, winning as many souls as possible to Christ and of bringing believers to the full measure and the stature of Christ through the local churches that he established for them, if he had not done that, would we be sitting here? Would we be saved today? You think, well, well, one day in glory we're going to find out of that impact of others that carried the banner of the gospel and, and, and how it affected us to, to, to know Christ today through that same gospel message and of those connections we'll find out. But the challenge to me is we are only here today because faithful men and women have exampled this testimony to us in, through their own lives. And praise the Lord, we can. And they, many as who are a great cloud of witnesses, um, have gone before us, as we could say from Hebrews 11. And they would expect us to do the same, especially with the freedoms and the greater privileges we enjoy today. And thirdly, verse 25, in consistent behaviour, and now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. See, Paul had been appealing to the Ephesian believers concerning his honesty, his integrity and credibility among them the whole time he was with them. This is regarding himself as God's chosen messenger to them and his responsibility. And can, again I say, they prove him unfaithful. As much as these leaders wanted to be instructed by him, they loved him, he was dear to them. He also had the right qualifications to instruct them and to instruct us through the inspiration of the scripture by the Holy Spirit today. And, uh, but now as we read in this verse, uh, with confidence... He tells them that this is the last time, as we see there at the end, verse 20, you shall see my face no more. They will meet here on earth in the flesh no more. He's pretty confident of that. And that actually happened, we know. He didn't see him again after this. And uh, the Lord has again providently allowed this meeting. It wasn't meant to happen. He was meant to go straight to Jerusalem via from, literally from Corinth, but... God overruled. Paul never expected to be back in Asia Minor. But the Holy Spirit gave the Apostle Paul certainty, as he is controlled by the Spirit of God, to say this. And uh, Now you may be asking, what has this point got to do with consistent behaviour? All right. Now, we have seen that Paul conscientiously kept back nothing, declaring having taught them the whole counsel of God, and that he consistently, until everyone, literally he met in Ephesus, heard the saving gospel of the grace of God. This, as we know from Paul's epistles, 
He taught them consistently in keeping all things in balance, especially in Ephesians. Would he would, as we know, he taught them from the other epistles, the doctrines and duties of the local church, the privileges and responsibilities that belong to the Christian life. But here, to complete the outline of the whole counsel of God statement that he made, Paul taught consistently, I believe, the second coming of Christ from the early church. That's how we have it today, the kingdom of God, preaching the kingdom of God. Yes, there's the kingdom through salvation. We become members, you know, um, enjoined, as that's mentioned and in the scriptures, and but... See, his kingdom come, thy will will be done. And what a great hope that is. And this should cause us to consider, um, as we think, see how, how fitting this is with this solemn news of not seeing his faith no more in making this statement, but hope and comfort to see him face to face that great day with our Lord and Saviour who will rule and reign his righteousness on the earth. And so this should cause us to consider those who preach faithfully to us the whole counsel of God, to make the most of it. Why? Well, there will come a time when we will see their faces no more. And that will be sad as we consider, you know, faithful men have gone before us. But we can hope to see them and each other face to face with comfort in glory. Can we not? So we need to appreciate, as they certainly did appreciate, and connected with others, just finishing off now, our last point there for this heart of ministry, in reviewing the past, 31. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul's final conversation with the Ephesian elders reveals his love for God and others and his dedication to the Lord's work even after he is gone. Paul's conscience was clear, his actions were consistent and his heart was connected to his fellow brethren. Again, we read there at the end of 31, Paul wept with these men. Their concerns were his concerns. Their trials were his trials. If they forgot his words, perhaps they would remember his tears. Like a father weeps over maybe, well, a rebellious son and a mother over a wayward girl, truly they were able to bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2, because they knew and loved one another. And we must not say that this is just for the pastor or even the deacons, to be concerned about only. This text reminds us all to be balanced believers who are watching and warning. But it also teaches us that such activity should be done in humility and love. Those of us who have dry eyes, speaking about myself also, may ask, where does this matter of deep feeling, compassion concern and care develop from the apostle Paul shows it is living a life of consistent fellowship with God and developing a thorough knowledge of the word of God and applying those truths in your life into action consistently having a clear conscience before God and before men and rejoicing in that obedience and 
the Holy Spirit working through you and it's pretty much certain the tears will come in that relationship that you build, that we build in love, in that, in that depth of agape love, that sacrificial love as we've learnt. The impact we see on these beloved brethren was not on the logical, factual teaching alone. He was teaching, this teaching was immersed in love and feeling and hot tears. It broke his heart to know, as we read there earlier, but it's not in the points today, that the wolves would come as they had already done in Antioch. They'd already come in Galatia and he'd been dealing with that through the letters. And what had only recently happened in Corinth, they were going to come to Ephesus and they did. Conclusion. As true believers in our salvation, through Christ God's Son, the spiritual That is the eternity, the eternal. That should be at the forefront of our minds. This life is a test for eternity, whether you're saved or unsaved. The difference being spending forever, either in the presence of God forever or forever out of the presence of God, heaven or the lake of fire. Now these two situations depend upon our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who does not know Christ as his saviour, you need to repent and turn to God and put your faith in his son who did suffer and die on the cross for you. And as we believe that, that is faith. The just shall live by faith. That is the rock of our salvation, Christ. The unbeliever needs to fall on the Lord and be broken so you don't have the rock fall on you and grind you to power at the judgment as believers let us purpose with God's strength to learn to display these characteristics we can purpose have a purpose in our prayer um, these characteristics in our own lives and towards each other and for that is for the if we for the glory of God let's pray Lord, we thank you for this message. We just thank you for the example and the consistency of the Apostle Paul. Thank you for the great cloud of witnesses that have emulated the truths of and the beautiful relationship with thee, O Lord, in their salvation and action, Lord, that we can read and be encouraged by through all the different circumstances. And thank you for each one here as we can burden one another's burdens even today. Lord, we thank you for the tears. And there are other verses too in that same chapter, Lord, of the tears that were shed. And Father, I know as I confess my lacking and we each in different areas may have different situations there of that Lord, but thank you for those that have compassion in this church, Lord, on others, Lord, in the way they minister to them. And the tears, even in private, Lord, that you capture in those jars, Lord, that will be poured out, Lord, before your throne, Lord. And, Lord, we thank you that um, we can, Lord, pray and ask for thy will to be done in our lives. It will mean sacrifice it will mean being humbled beyond the measure that but it's not by our might lord it's by your spirit working in us lord thank you now as you've encouraged us and lord as we would 
as the days will be getting difficulter and that we'll keep on keeping on, Lord. And may we desire to finish well and finish our course with joy, Lord, not being ashamed before you. And Lord, we ask these things now and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.